every single day really I listen to to worship music listen to, to whatever really is, is speaking to me that day some songs kind of point out more things to me whenever I sing them one day than I do another day some songs will do the same thing on other days and and I try to worship every single day I mean all we, we're always gonna have those days where we just may slip our minds but but like I said try to worship every day and I love worshiping because it really connects me with with my creator with God now my family's been in worship for a really long time pretty much all I can really remember but uh, for a long time I didn't worship the way I, I should until honestly the past couple of years I I've realized that I don't need to be insecure which is something that happens with a lot of people and it's just something that's gonna happen but I didn't need to be insecure because I'm worshiping my Lord I'm worshiping the one who created me and I why wouldn't I want to do that so finally started singing, I finally started opening up, didn't get uncomfortable or didn't get nervous or embarrassed. I, I just wanted to worship my God. Thank you, Patrick. That was awesome. It inspires me to hear young people giving their lives over to God, living for Him. I want to read some scripture for you. I think it's going to be on the screen so you can read along. Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing.
continue singing about who God says we are. But I wanted to take a minute to maybe ask some of you, who does the world or the enemy say you are? start us out. Unlovable. Just shout out words. A failure. Unworthy. declare who God says we are in this next song and make a declaration of faith that we're going to choose to believe who he says we are. He says we are loved, redeemed, accepted, wanted, created in his image, which makes us of inestimable worth. Souls that live forever somewhere. wants us to believe lies, but our God is greater.
today in spirit and in truth. We call on your name. Great is your name. Greatly to be praised. All heaven and earth are crying out in praise to you. We're simply joining in with the sounds of praise. Part of our praise to you today is, a, is declaring back to you what you have spoken over us. So we do so today by faith. We choose to believe the truth about us and we choose today to reject the lies that the enemy has sown into us. We are your children, called by your name. We humble ourselves today. We seek your face. We turn from our wicked ways and we we call out in, in faith and in hope that you will come and heal our land. That could mean so many different things today in a room this size. There are people here today who have broken hearts for a number of different reasons. Some it's for children, 
Some it's for parents. Some it's for broken relationships. Some it's for struggles in finances, jobs, health. There could be a, a litany of reasons why the struggle would be so real today. But we, by faith, stand in the truth of your word. And we choose today to hide your word in our heart so that we might not sin against you. And we allow your word to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We allow your word to bring guidance today, direction today. Knowing all along that, that our journey with you is about freedom. For who the Son has set free, he is free indeed. That is our that is the truth about us today. If we have claimed you as our Lord and our Savior, if we have allowed your forgiveness to come into our hearts and our minds, we are free. And there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because you have made a way.
light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. Come on, one more time. One more time. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, lie in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, lie in the darkness.
starts to move. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Thank you, worship team. That was awesome. We're going to continue our worship with uh, tithes and offerings, so if you have your ushers come forward. And before I pray over the offering, I want to remind the kids that when I'm done praying, it's time for our joyful giving. So you'll come up too. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, the worship this morning. We thank you for the provisions that uh, you've lovingly given us this week and this month. We want to give some back to you, Lord. We um, lift them up to you and ask that you would uh, use our offerings, Lord, to further your kingdom. And for your glory, Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Thank you. My name is Greg White. I am leadership pastor here, and I've been on staff for a few months. And my wife and I have been in Okinawa, Japan. Let's see if it's going to work. For the last, yeah, for the last two months. And we have been on a missions trip. Filling in filling in for a pastor in Okinawa who's in the States raising funds for the next five years for him being there. But this is the church we worked at. And the church was, was built, I don't know how, 40 or 50 years ago, mainly to minister to military families in Okinawa. There are many military bases that are there, and uh, Marines, Army, Air Force, Navy, 80% of the church was military. And I preached 18 times in, in the services. Uh, we had two services every Sunday, and then I did uh, leadership training during the week. And while I was preaching, there was translation going on with Japanese for the Japanese people that was, was there. Again, I did leadership training. Um, I preached sermons that challenged the, the men and women there to find out who they are in Christ. And, and it's interesting, the song we sing, it, it all depends on who he is. And when we know who he is, he begins working on us to help us know who we are. Does that make sense? 
And God, God is working in our lives. It, it's a, how many of you know it's a small world we live in? In the church, on the second row in front of me, after the service, a lady came up and said, I'm from Woodland Park, Illinois. <laughs> Nancy and I went sightseeing a couple of days. And one of the, one of the, one of the times we, we took a tour of Battlefield Okinawa during World War II and ended up at uh, Hacksaw Ridge. And that's a picture of Hacksaw Ridge. Just the cliff is right over that. And it was, it was an interesting tour. We, one, one of the holidays there, we spent a day with a couple of couples and went, went and ate at Pizza in the Sky. And I would tell you, going up to that road, their roads were very narrow, and we had a large vehicle, and it was very nervous going up there. <laughs> but the view was unbelievable. And then we went to a... Uh, we went to an aquarium. That is a whale shark. And a, a, a guy's in the tank. He's holding on to it, and the whale shark's taking him around. Things about 18, 20 feet long. But we're so thankful for the opportunity we had to minister to people in, in Japan. I saw lives changed. Saw two or three guys uh, talk to me about going into ministry. One of, the, one of the special forces guys told me God's been working on him to, to be a missionary afterwards. And we sat down and talked and just, just had a wonderful time. Saw one person come to the Lord, but saw many people mature in the Lord. And, and that's where my heart is. This is sunrise, the, the day we were leaving. And we had a wonderful trip. Thank you very much for you, you guys that knew we were gone. Thank you for your prayers because I've had many of you tell me you were praying for us and, and uh, shared that with us. You followed us on Facebook. And uh, we, again, we had a wonderful time. This coming Saturday at 10 o'clock, I'm doing leadership training, and it's been announced that I was going to do a training on DISC, D-I-S-C, personality profile, and uh, communications. But when I came back, Pastor was telling me about uh, the, the vision for the next few months, Vision 5, and we, we talked in his office uh, for, for about an hour and came to the conclusion we needed to change that. And this Saturday, we are, uh, I am doing a leadership training on prayer. And it's from the book, The Hour That Changes the World by Dick Eastman. And uh, I, I guarantee you this, this training will challenge you as a Christian. And it will help you in your Christian life to grow if you have your phones, um, you can text me if you want to go to that. My, my number is 217-825-9107. Just text me and say I want to be a part of that. And if you can't do that, if you want to come, just show up. That would be great. Just say that number one more time. 217-825-9107. Again, training on prayer, and it's not only training, we're going to have uh, time.
times that we will pray together during that time. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to that. This morning, pastors asked me to preach on the book of James. And there is so much in that book. I read it several times while I, in the nine weeks I was gone. And I thought there's so many, so many things that I could talk about and, and just have a general view of it. And I'm going to do a little bit of that. But I kept coming back to one verse. And it's, I, I'll be truthful with you, it's at the very beginning of the book, James 1, 2. My brother encountered all joy when you fall into various trials. Counted all joy when you fall into various trials. How many of you have gone through trials? Let me see your hands, okay? Now, let me ask you something. How many of you feel like you're going through trials right now? Okay. Uh, I, I, I want to share with you about going through those trials from what James tells us. And he says, verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. The testing of your faith produces endurance. In Isaiah 48.10, it says, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. Now God is speaking to Israel when he said that. But there's times when in all of our lives, we could probably sit down and reflect on this. I think there's times in all of our life when we have felt we have gone through the furnace of affliction. And maybe some of you are there right now, and, and I want to speak to you about that. The furnace of affliction within our lives, and I, I can share with you, I can look back and there were times that I went through horrible, what I thought at the time was horrible trials. And when I got out of them, I looked back and thought, hmm, <laughs> I've learned something from that, and it was good for me. I had an uncle, Junior, that was uh, stationed in Japan at the end of World War II, and he came home with a samurai sword. And when I was 16 years old, I took that sword in my hands. My uncle made sure that I was very careful with it. It was very sharp. And I took that sword in my hand, and it felt, it, it, it felt so good. I, I couldn't believe it. It was a sword. And I looked at the pattern on that sword. It was intricately made. It was really a work of art. And these, these swords, for uh, the process of making these swords, is they go through the furnace. They go through the furnace. They're pulled out. The, the metal is pulled out white heart, hot. Uh, and, and set on an anvil and is pounded by a hammer. And every time, I, I, I want us to get this, every time that metal is pulled out of that furnace and put on that anvil and it's hit by a sledgehammer, dross falls off. The impurities fall off. And each time he puts that in a furnace, 
and brings it out and pounds on it. More impurities fall off. And pretty soon, you've got a pretty pure piece of steel, of metal, and one that is very hard. And they put it in again, and they cut it in half, and they fold it, and they pound it down again. They do this process 16 times, and that's how you get the pattern in it and how you get the strength. But the outcome is an impressive work of art. And I want you to know, as we sang just a few minutes ago, God is working on us. Amen? God is working on us to become a powerful witness. And I believe with all my heart that he is preparing us for eternity. God is preparing us for eternity. Peter wrote this. In this you rejoice. Now, remember the word joy. And Peter says, he's thinking about, his, his thoughts are on the same realm. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you may be grieved by various trials, so that the testing genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor and revelation in Jesus Christ. Just back up a little bit. I want you to know that the book of James was written by the brother of Jesus. And it's interesting that James does not start that book by saying, James, the brother of Jesus. He writes this book and he says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was something that happened with James between the time when Jesus was on this earth and his death and resurrection that James figured out who he really was and bowed down and worshipped him and served him and became one of the leaders in the early church. But several themes are forged together in this book, in James' writings. Counted all joy and trials. Trials and endurance, endurance and wisdom, wisdom and faith, and faith and works, and all these things tied together by an and is describing the tension between these two, these themes that we're talking about, between counted all joy and trials, believe me, there is tension. There is a tension that is there. And between trials, and we, we realize this, between trials and endurance, there is a tension that is there. And I want you to know that as we live in this tension, God is working on us in a wonderful way. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. It's interesting, James does not, <laughs> James does not talk, uh, James does not start this, I had a thought, James not, does not thought, <laughs> write this and say, <laughs> count it all happiness, be happy that you're going through trials. 
I, I would tell you that would be ludicrous. <laughs> he didn't say be happy. I want you to know a lot of people want to be happy. Happiness comes from the word happen. You also get the word happenstance, but happen. And it, it depends on what is happening in your life. It depends on the circumstances is right. And when, if your goal is happiness, your goal is to keep the circumstances in, 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 in a right form so that I will be happy all the time. That's impossible, guys. That is impossible to live within that realm. James says this. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Let me share something with you. My attitude is my responsibility. Joy is an attitude. My attitude is my responsibility. When things are not going my way, I can still count it all joy because it's a decision that I make to be joyful. You, we are to count. It's an accountant term. It is a deliberate decision. The joy, and listen to this, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I want you to know that happiness depends on circumstances, but joy depends on a relationship. And it really depends on a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when our relationship is right, no matter what is happening around us, we can have that joy that is overflowing within our lives. The word trials means the putting to proof. And it also means adversity. But I like that, the putting the proof. The word patience, we can look at patience two different ways. Uh, endurance has to do with circumstances, with what's happening around us and what's happening to us. But also tied to the word patience is the word long-suffering. And long-suffering is a word that has to do with relationships with people. Sometimes you just have to have long-suffering with some people. How many of you know that? In 1970, I had a Pontiac Le Mans. I was in college. And one day, I had cloudy circumstances. I was sitting at a stoplight, and a truck was in front of me with beams coming out. And it started to rain. And while it started to rain, I put on my windshield wipers. A stick had got in the windshield wiper on the driver's side, and it lifted up the blade so it was not wiping the windshield. And it was really raining, and you could hardly see out of that windshield because the windshield wiper wouldn't work. So I had this brilliant idea. Now, you know, sometimes we have that. And instead of putting it in park, which would have been the smart thing to do, I just rode down my window, I reached out real, real far to grab the stick when it came around, and I grabbed it, and when I grabbed the stick, 
my foot went off the brake and the car went forward and I heard this crunching sound and the hood of my car for one foot was just crunched by this beam. I was unhappy. I was not happy at all. And I was, I was driving back home glorying in my unhappiness. <laughs> And, and while I was driving home, I just read in my devotions, James, you know, God is dangerous. Do you know that? He is dangerous. I was driving home, and all of a sudden, this verse popped in my head. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, I want you to know this is not the hardest trial I've ever gone through. It's really a pretty simple one. But how many of you know the simple ones will get us really hard sometimes? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And I, I said, God, I don't want to count this as joy. I'm unhappy. Look at my hood. And again, the thought, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, I'm arguing with God. How many of you tried to argue with God before? Huh? I, I, I want to tell you that it doesn't work. Because every time I would, it, the word come to my mind was joy. Unhappy, joy. Unhappy, count it joy. And all of a sudden, I began to look at, my, look at that verse differently as I looked at my hood that was crunched up, and I began thinking, if that truck was not in front of me, I would have been the first one at the light. Now, that's pretty good. When you're a high D, you want to get out first. How many of you know that? Well, if I would have been first in that, at that light, there was a highway right in front of me that people were going 60 mile an hour. If I would have put my, took my foot off the brake then and plunged forward a little bit and somebody hit me at 60 mile an hour, my car would have had much more damage than it did and I probably would have been injured. All of a sudden, a thought came to me. <laughs> Count it all joy <laughs> when you fall into various trials. I want you to know, folks, it works. Whether it's something small and insignificant as a car hood. And by the way, that car is in a junkyard somewhere. It's temporary. But whatever it is, God is asking us to count it all joy. So, can you feel the tension between count it joy and trials, when you're doing that, can you hear the ring of the anvil? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work. Can you feel the tension there? That you may be perfect, and the word perfect means mature. God wants his people simply to grow up and mature in the Lord. That we may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. We have this tendency, all of us, 
from the platform to the back to the to the front door out there we all have this tendency to look at trials from the temporary realm how the trials feel what the trials are doing to us in the moment instead of looking at trials in light of eternity what they are working in us and what God is proving in us through his word now the question that came up to me was why do I go through trials first of all trials make us to know ourselves trials find our weak points now I I want you to realize this God already knows us better than we know ourselves how many of you found that out God knows us better than we know ourselves and all of us have blind spots about ourselves sometimes other people can point out those blind spots (laughs) amen but we have these blind spots that sometimes we just don't see and trials will help us find our weak spots yet they point out our strengths I I want us to realize we need to know our strengths Not, not only our weak points but we really need to know our strengths and we need to zero in on them and and grow our strengths in our life and each one of us have different strengths than the other but pay attention to them we need to know our strengths Satan knows our weaknesses and that's where he comes after us the aim of trials is that we know ourselves that God would would drive out the impurities within our lives and there's been times in my life when I actually felt like God was using a hammer on me (laughs) maybe because I'm a little stubborn and growing sometimes but trials make us evaluate our lives count it all joy if you value the temporal if you value just this life right here if you value the moment that you're living in trials will upset you if you value eternity you make room for trials and tests within you within your life you will value spiritual maturity and more than comfort within your life because you count it all joy secondly trials builds endurance within your lives you never learn I want us to get this we never learn endurance by complaining we never learn endurance by complaining we, we move back I, I believe when we're going through a trial and we start complaining all the time we move back one square and God doesn't want us to move back he wants us to move forward and joy when you have that attitude of joy within your life it gives you the strength to be thankful even when you don't feel like it 
Trials convince the world that we are genuine. It proves our consistency. It proves our loyalty to Christ. It proves the hope that we have is real. And I I want you to know, if you don't know this, people are watching you. This is a little secret to some people, but people are watching you. I remember when I was in a service, I I worked with a team, and we we worked with missiles, missile communications control circuits, and we was going out to a missile site one day, and one of my my team members smoked, and he he looked at me, he was smoking, and he looked at me, and he took, took a puff out of a cigarette, and he handed it to me and said, Greg, I'll give you $50 if you will take one puff from this cigarette. I said, thank you for the offer, but no, I'm not going to do that. And he took it back and never mentioned it again. About a year later, he got out of the service, and he came to me. I was in my room, knocked on the door, I opened it. He came to my room and he looked at me and he says, now, Greg, you remember when I offered you that cigarette? And he said, yeah. I said, yeah. He said, I want you to know I would have been really disappointed in you if you would have took that $50. Guys, I want you to know people are watching you. And the testing, when we go through the testing of our faith, people are watching us very closely. They are watching our lives. They are watching our attitude. They are watching how we move with people. And they're watching whether we are complainers or we are people that are thankful. James begins by speaking of trials we face in life. And then he turns to wisdom. Why do we need wisdom? When you go through trials and view them from an eternal perspective, you become aware that when you're in the trial, you have just enrolled in God's school. And God has given you your, sometimes this maybe the final exam for that grade or that, uh, that, that, that level of school that you are in so that you will move up to the next lodge, and, lodge in your life and, and, and you, will, you will begin a, a new course, a new set of learning. But we are in, low, in, in road in God's school. It is a learning experience. And wisdom is essential for us living the Christ-like life. And James gives some insights about wisdom. He says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. Now, it's interesting to me that when James says, when you lack wisdom, the context he is talking about is the trials that you are facing. Pastoring 40 years, I've had several people, many people come to me sometimes, going through very hard times. And most of the time, people were saying, Pastor, pray that I get through this real fast. 
And I would sit back, because we were facing each other, sitting. I would sit back and look at him and smile. And I would ask them, what is God teaching you in this trial? What is God teaching you? Have you asked God for wisdom? Have you asked God, instead of God, get me out of this? Have you asked God, what are you teaching me? Because I believe the harder the trial, the greater the lesson that God is teaching us. And I want you to know, if you are going through a very, very difficult time right now in your life, you can look at that as, well, it's, it's a circumstance that I need to get out of. Or you can look at that as a trial that God is working with you and He is teaching you. He is training you for something not only in the temporary, but in the permanent, in the eternal. But He is also teaching you so that when you get through the other side of this, you will be able to help someone else that is going through the same thing. I believe when we're going through trials, we need to say, instead of, oh me, we need to say, God, what are you teaching me at this moment in my life? Learn the lesson well. Knowledge is the ability to take things apart. Wisdom is the skill to put them back together. How many of you ever took something apart, and when you were done, you looked down, you had two pieces left over? (laughs) You ever do that? Wisdom is a life skill. It is, I, I believe God's wisdom teaches us to live out the principles of God's Word. And I believe when we do that, we are reaching into the eternal realm. In Psalms 111, verse 10, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey His commandments will grow in wisdom. Mm, That's interesting. Wisdom elevates us beyond the temporal towards God's eternal purposes in our life, that as God's wisdom draws us towards the eternal. Biblical wisdom develops skills which equip us not only for now, but I believe as a Christian, God made us for eternity, that God is developing now for our eternal life. Wisdom guides us to maturity. But I want to give you a great big warning. God's wisdom takes you out of your comfort zone because we never learn anything in our comfort zone. We only learn when we step out into our fear and we step out into faith and we step out into a venture within our lives, that we are learning something from God, and we're not saying, oh me, but we're saying, God, what are you teaching me? But with wisdom, 
we see circumstances differently. Count it all joy. Now, James says there's three steps to getting wisdom real quick. Number one is awareness. If you lack wisdom, number two, ask, ask of God. And number three, ask believing. And James says that we should, we should, we should not be a, like a double-minded man <clears throat> who, is, who doubts is like the sea, wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. Paul tells the Ephesians to grow up in Christ. And he says, I'm giving you pastors, teachers, apostles, uh, prophets, and, and uh, uh, evangelists. And then, then, you will, then you will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. In Luke chapter 8, I'm, I'm moving towards conclusion. So hold your seats. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus is asleep on the deck of a boat. He's had a rough day teaching, and he's asleep. And there is a storm, one of those storms that made the fishermen even afraid. And they run back to where Jesus is at, and they wake him up, and they said, Master, don't you care that we are perishing in this storm? And Jesus woke up, and he looked at the wind and the waves, and he just simply said, Peace be still. And there was a direct calm that came out of that. And then he looked at his disciples. And he said, where is your faith? I want you to know Jesus, Jesus calms the storms of despair. He calms the waves of doubt. He calms the winds of adversity. And I want you to know that we can trust him when we are in the midst of a storm. Are you there? Are you in that storm in your life? Then look at it this way. I'm in God's classroom. James says this. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God promised to those who love him. Let me ask you a question. Do you want the trials, the circumstances you are going through to make you bitter or to make you better? And I know the answer to that. We all want it to we, we all want to be better instead of bitter. But I want you to know it is all a matter of attitude. Have you come to Jesus? There's a verse in Revelation, and I, I will share with you this was written to a backslidden church. And God is calling them back to him. But I believe it's appropriate even for those who do not know him. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, 
I will come in and dine with him and he with me. I want everyone to bow your heads, please. I want to ask, I'm going to ask two questions, but number one, I'm going to ask if there's anyone here that will say, Greg, this morning I came to this place and I am really struggling with my relationship with Jesus Christ. I wonder where I'm at with him. And Greg, this morning, I want to know. I want to leave this place knowing that I have a solid relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you, if I'm speaking to you, can you just raise your hand and look at me real quick and say, that's me? I feel like in my life, I really need to know Jesus. Anyone? I want you to know this is the most important decision we will ever make. Is to come to Jesus. Everyone look up. Going through trials, going through difficult times, here's what we need to do. We need to sit down and talk with Jesus. Some of you raised your hands and said you're going through a hard time right now. If that's you, I, I, I want you to be brave this morning and do something for me. I want you to know that I have been there. I have sat in that seat. I have listened to a sermon like this when, when, I, was, when I was going through one of the worst moments of my life. And I knew what I needed. I needed someone to pray with me. I needed someone to stand with me. And if you're here this morning and you're going through the trial of your life or you're just going through a tough time right now, if that's you, I want you to stand up right now all over this audience. If you're going through a tough time right now, come on. If you're going, some of you need to think about this. If you're going through a tough time right now, I want you to stand up and then I want you to come around these altars up here, up here front. Please move with me. I want you to know that God is here. When we were worshiping together, I felt the presence of the Lord in this place in a powerful way. And God is moving. Remember we, we, we sang that song, God is moving and he's working on me. I want you to know he's doing that within our lives. I would like to ask some of you who have gone through trials, and you're at the other side, and, and, those, and those that's on the prayer team, I would like to ask you to come up and pray with these around these altars. Okay, some of you, come on. Come up, come on. Thank you. Some of you come up around these altars. Pray with the people that's going through tough times. Thank you for coming. Father, you know, you know what is going through these people's lives. Father, you know what they carry on their shoulders. You know the burden that they have. You know the conflicts that they have. You know, you know the circumstances that they have right now. But Father, I pray that you would minister to their lives. 
God, that you would let them know that you are with them in a powerful way. And there's times in our life we wonder where you are. But Lord, that's when you're with us the most. And Father, I pray that you will strengthen these folks around the altar. That you would encourage them. That you would, you, you would just help them today. And God, as they're asking you, Lord, what, am I, what are you teaching me? God, make it clear. Make it very clear what you are teaching your people. Because, Lord, we all want to grow up in you. We are, we are being prepared, Lord, for a day in eternity together. And God, I pray for those that are sitting in the seats. Lord, that you will minister to their lives, that you would encourage them, that you will help them. Father, that you will, you will go with them today and minister to their lives. May you be a blessing to them. And God, I pray as we all leave this place that we would become a blessing to someone else today to encourage and add value to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Quietly leave you.